Thank you so much for tuning in on this week's Led by the Word. We are still in First Chronicles. And you want to know how hard it is to find Chronicles when you type in Corinthians? Ooh, pretty hard, huh? It's difficult. Yeah. It is <laughs> difficult. And I know you don't like that guy that reads the Bible in my Bible app. I was listening to him all morning. I like his voice. I was this close to listening to him, but I thought I'd rather be late and just read it myself. <laughs> um, we're back. We've talked about this before, but we got to touch on it again. We're in First Chronicles chapter 21, and we're talking about the census. So we've talked about this before in Kings, mm-hmm. uh, but now we're going to be touching on it again, David in the census. And as young Micah, I had no clue why the census was bad. Mm. As adult Micah, no clue why the census was bad. It, touch on this a little bit. I actually do have information on this that I'd love to partake. Please. Because also as a child, um, for those of you who maybe have not been around this whole time, an explanation and like my origin story or whatever, um, when my parents got saved in like 2001, uh, mom started like this deep Bible study with me and I did not necessarily enjoy it as a child, uh, but I do remember a lot of it. And I remember when we were doing the Old Testament, I was like, God seems kind of mean. Like, I don't know about this. Like, y'all, what, what are we doing here? And this was one of the stories where it's like, what's the big deal? Because at that time, um, we started going to a church and they took Sunday attendance every Sunday morning. And I'm like, is this, how is this any different? It is actually a lot different. So you have to look at the motivation and the heart. When David was doing this, it doesn't explicitly say this, but context clues people. Read the first verse before and the verse after, and it can really break stuff down for you. In verse 1, if I could just read it really fast. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Again, that's First Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1. So Satan's coming to David and like whispering in his ear, if you will, hey, Let's number the children of Israel. So that's number one. This is an idea that came from the enemy. Number two, he asked Joab to be in charge of it. And Joab was like basically the captain of the guards, which meant that this was pretty much a military standpoint. So David's like, you know what? Our military is pretty awesome. Let's just see how awesome it is. So David's coming from this place of, obviously it was an idea of the enemy. And two, it was really about military numbers when he should have been putting his trust in the Lord's ability Instead of his ability. And you got to read Joab's answer. Uh, yes. Well, Joab tells him this. I'm not even going to hunt the verse down. He says, David, you're looking for a number. Mm-hmm. When God is behind these men, there is a hundred men to one man. Yes. It's it, in verse three. It says, and Joab answered, the Lord make his people an hundred times so many more as they be. But my Lord, the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then doth my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Joab was literally like, let's pump the brakes, people. Like, stop. Stop. And David's like, "Uh, yo, I'm your king. Do this. So David forces him. Joab goes out. And I love the way they number stuff. It's like a thousand times a thousand. And then man with sword is... 400,000. So Joab numbers the whole country, mm-hmm. and it's, it's million plus. And at the end of it, it says, but minus one, because Joab refused to number himself. <laughs> and I, when I heard that verse, I was like, oof, that's kind of, it seems smart, but I got chills because Joab was so sure in God that he's like, I will 100% publicly rebuttal my king, the great King David, mm-hmm. because I am not being numbered. Yeah, I'm not counting among this mess. This is not for me. And you know, it, it's I got to read the first verse. Jesse read it, but it, it strikes me so hard. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Mm-hmm. If we go to Genesis chapter 3, I t- mentioned this a little bit in Game Changers last night, verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Satan is so... He's sneaky. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump down. That's a little bit of verse 1. Hold on to verse 2. 
And the woman said unto the serpent, We may meet of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree that which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Wait, I got to, let me touch a little more on verse 1. The serpent, he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. The first conversation Satan has with a woman is a true statement. Right. There is stuff here you can't eat. There's stuff here you shouldn't eat. And then he wants her thinking, well, why? And you see how Satan, it just says he provoked David. I'm sure he wasn't like, here's what you're going to do, David. This is Satan talking to you. He was sly and subtle. Mm-hmm. There is no way David's just going to give in after fighting for God all these years after his last mistake. And then all of a sudden be like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to submit to what Satan tells me instead of God. Right. And we know that by how he acts near the end of this chapter. Yes. The very next thing Satan does is when Eve tells him, hey, there's some trees I can't eat here or else I'm going to die. Satan replies, uh, and the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. He's, his next statement is to make her 100% doubt mm-hmm. everything God's ever told her. And we look at that with David. David's not supposed to number. David's not supposed to census. He's not supposed to measure in pride or measure in military power. But David goes through with it anyways. Do you want to talk a little bit about the judgment? The yes. judgment sounds straight out of a scary movie. So David incurs God's anger about it, right? So he wants us to do this. Verse 7, we're still in chapter 21, says, And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. So David realizes, okay, I've messed up. And the next verse, it says, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing, but now I beseech thee to do away with the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. So he's begging for the Lord. He's like, I've messed up bad. And I think this is one of those things that we kind of get hung up on. When we think of King David, we're like, ooh, David, like Bathsheba, ooh, David, the census, what are you doing? It's so ironic how we get caught up on his couple of bad things he did, but his good far outweighed his bad. And his character still remained the same even after all these messes. So the Lord was like, listen, you're going to have to have a choice. It's going to either be, in verse 12, three years of famine three months to be destroyed before thy foes, or three days the sword of the Lord, even the pestilence in the land. So David basically explains, well, I don't want to fall into the hands of men. I want I, to fall i got to ask Lord. a question here. If you're offered three years of famine, three months of your enemies attacked without any protection from God, or three days of attack from God and the land's pestilence, I'm not choosing the three days in my mind. I know why he did. I know why yes. he did, but when I, when I first heard this and read this, I was like, oh, no, that's not the one to choose. <laughs> Don't, David. Don't do it. Well, you got to think. So they had, Israel, multiple times in the past prior to this, had gone without the Lord's blessing, especially during the Saul era, and, you know, fell. So David knew that. So he explains this in verse 13. He says, And David said unto God, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord, for very great are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hand of man. This is so crazy that he's talking about the Lord's mercies while the Lord is like doling out judgment here. And he's like, Lord, you are merciful. I'm going to take my chances with you. I'd rather take my chances um, with you. And so I, when you're reading this, this kind of goes back to the naivety of me being like nine years old, my parents getting saved and being like, what is God doing here? Like, this is so mean. So I actually read some commentary on this, like what is going on? So in Exodus uh, chapter 30, I believe it is. Uh, Yes, okay. So if you guys have been with us this long, 
in Exodus, the, the Lord lays down some really great uh, mosaic law here, and it has explanation. The Lord doesn't do anything without any reason. There's always a purpose, and it's usually for our good. So in chapter 30 of Exodus, verse 11, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, what does it sound like, right? Like a census? Then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. When thou numberest them, there, that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. This they shall give every one that passes among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. And half shekels shall be an offering of the Lord. So he set down the rules. He's like, listen, when you take a census, when you number the children, they need to have an offering, basically. And David did this all wrong. I mean, we talked about his intents. We talked about who motivated to do him. But he also did not take an offering up from the Lord. So when the Lord was offering this, like, three days of my righteous judgment kind of thing, which scares us, he was like, I'll take that. Because he actually spared him from the plagues. And he offered him. But he, you know, made a way still. And I think that's where David's like, you're merciful. I'm going to take my chances with you. And we see at the end of this chapter, if you're ready to progress that far, Mm -hmm. that after this still, David is crying out and being like, it's me. You know, I've sinned. You know, spare the people here. In verse 17, it says, And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered, even I? It is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thy hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people, that they should be plagued. And you see like the type of Christ here, right? Someone that's willing to stand in, receive the judgment, except in this instance, David actually did sin. You know, he wasn't a blameless, spotless lamb. But you hear his cry before the Lord. And I'm like, I still see the heart of Christ in this. I still see the heart of God where he's like, no, it's my folly. Like, let me take this. Like, don't punish these innocent people. I love how David even said, you can even destroy not just me, but my house. Yeah, my <laughs> father's house. I mean, that's pretty intense, especially yeah. back then. Uh, you read this, and just picture this in your mind. This angel in verse 16 comes down. Let me see. No, verse 15, angels come down, and with his sword is just destroying Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem's just getting completely, if I may use the term, mollywopped by an angel. Right. Then the angel goes up, and God repents of his evil. And God repents of this evil and says, listen, I want you to stop. And the angel goes up, and the angel is standing above Jerusalem with the sword drawn out, and it says the sword goes completely over Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So this ain't like a normal-sized angel. And David, what Jesse's reading prior to this, David's looking up at this sword and this angel. And think of how this is scary. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we all, everyone's always like Armageddon, reading revelations about Armageddon. Read, this is a shadow of that. Sure. Like, you, you see this. This is a literal supernatural being come down by God, chosen by God to do a destruction. And, and I, I know what's going on here in the spirit and what it's teaching us and all that that you're saying. But on the other side, the physical side of history, right. this is one of the most scary events, I think, other than the flood, I think this is up there. I mean, they fell on their faces in yeah. verse 16. So it was pretty severe, and there was definitely a reverence going on. Like in verse 16, And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between heaven and earth, having his sworn drawn in his hand stretched out over Israel. Then David and the elders of Israel, which were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. I, I kind of want to know what they saw, but I kind of never want to know what they saw. Yeah, I don't think it was, I mean, this was a very vague description, really. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine the fear. (laughs) Oh, I couldn't imagine what was going through their minds. And then that's when David, David's first instinct should have been, get the kids, let's go. 
But David's first instinct was to stand up, take the punishment on himself for the fa- for the kingdom. And I think that's pretty impressive. Right. You still see the heart of God. I still see, see a man after God's heart. Like, that's just who he is. So all, we know this. Um, a lot of people talk about it being Bathsheba, but this is where it talks about there's a blood on David, and with this blood, 70-something thousand people die. Yeah, it's a lot. 70-something thousand people die, and now David can't build the temple, the dream temple. Mm-hmm. Everything that David wanted to do with this temple, God's like, you can't do it. So David literally uses the term, let me find this. Uh, what was it he called Solomon? Oh, yeah, in verse 5 of chapter 22. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender. Mm-hmm. That is exactly how I, I, <laughs> little Clark is so just squishy and small. And what we're told here, uh, Solomon's roughly under the age of two or three. Mm. So he's just a little rascal at this point. And David sees that, and he says, oh, my house can still build it. Like God said, you can do this. So David goes out with this mindset of abundance. And we know in John 10, 10, enemy come to kill, steal, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. So David measures the gold. He said there's going to be, it was 1,000, 1,000, or 10,000 uh, pieces of gold. Then it was a million pieces of silver. And then he said the brass and the iron for the doors and the gates is of such, what was it he said? Such abundance it is without a number. <laughs> and David continued to pray prayer abundantly and abundantly before his death at the end of verse 5. So he's going through and David said, I may not be able to fasten the doors. I may not be able to lay the floors down. I may not be able to put the ceiling in. But I am preparing for Solomon. Mm-hmm. And what blows my mind in 22 is he gathers all this stuff. And he says, oh, oh, we need cedar. We need a lot of cedar. So he starts gathering cedar and he starts making trade deals with Lebanon. At the end of all this, he says, and Solomon, I want you to know, this is not the limit. You can gather more materials still. Mm. And people that are watching this that are parents, you're not building something for yourself spiritually. You are fighting the enemy back for the future. You're fighting the enemy back for your kids. You're fighting the enemy back as the Spirit's coming in. And you're building the presence of God in your house and their lives and everything around them. But then when your kids get up and let's say that you're here and your kids reach your level, Mm -hmm. the young people watching, I want to talk to you. You can go further still. Yes. David said, I have so much stuff here, we're not even going to bother numbering it. But he says, Solomon, I want this to be a spectacle to the world. Mm -hmm. You can go further still. And I, I feel such, such a drive in that verse. Right. Like, oh my goodness, there's literally no limit other than the limit we decide. That's all I want. That's all I want to do. Talk about this. I mean, like, your dad preaches it all the time. He wants us to be able to go further. There's a minister that I listen to semi-frequently, and he constantly says, I want my ceiling to be your floor. You take this and run. You know, you go further in the Lord. You have a bigger outreach than I have had. You know, and it's, I'm so thankful for people like Micah's dad who have laid down the foundation for us and other Christians that it's not easier, but it is easier to go further in the Lord. And I really do appreciate that. I don't, I don't take that for granted. But, um, you know, your dad does talk about in your personal life, too, laying it before your children. What are you leaving behind? You know, because material things, okay, we can sell it on eBay or it has sentimental value. But the prayers that you put forth, I mean, like we're seeing Sister Betty Jackson's prayers already come into fruition. She's been deceased a year or two. So it's like, I don't know, you lay these in heaven you know, these treasures, not of earth and vessels, 
but also some of those treasures are trickling down here. You know, things Man. that can't be measured in monetary value. But of course, this can't be measured in monetary value. But we know that all the scripture is given for us. So we see that here. Like, what a legacy to live behind, like, leave behind, like an inheritance, if you will. Yeah, you know, you inherit the kingdom and you're the king. Like, that's cool. That's good. But then also, I'm giving you this work of the Lord to do. Like, what greater honor? I don't know. Yeah, and, and you think of this and you think of how many workers he put involved. This is a physical... Um, I don't know, this is just a physical uh, description of what's going on spiritually inside of you. Mm-hmm. So now you have the understanding that you have such precious anointing and power inside of you. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to invest in it? Are you going to work it? Are you going to build it more than the generation before you? Mm-hmm. Talking to the youth now, just like Jesse said to the adults before, now it's on, now it's on you guys. What, what are you going to do with what God's given you? What are you going to do with going forward? Or are you just going to sit here and let the building be done? Mm. Solomon had an opportunity. Solomon could have said, okay, Dad, I'm going to build the temple. Dad dies. Okay, guys, we got the materials. Let's build. <laughs> Let's build banks. Let's yeah. build. We can build stuff that's good for the people. We, not even bad stuff. Right. You know, sometimes we're building things in our lives that's not even bad, but it's just selfish versus what God has intended and God has in mind. I love how David said this is going to be a spectacle for the world. Mm. And, you know, when we talk and we think of what is the grandest thing ever made, it's this temple. And you look at the temple, if you look it up, it's not very big. We're in Studio 1.0 of Oasis Ministries. The temple is not much larger than this building. And square footage-wise, it's actually less Mm -hmm. than this building. And our next office is like four times the size of this one. So it's not that it's big. It's all the gold and silver that made it worth exponential amount of value. Oh, it was in the details for sure. Yeah, And I love in verse 17, I got to talk about this. After David gathered all this, David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon and his son. Mm -hmm. So he goes on to say, okay, guys, now listen, I've already gathered all this. I want you to give more. And then their instinct is, huh? What? What? Why? And he says, is there not peace on every side of you? Mm. And he gives them the Jesus talk of, he has been, God's been good to us. God has been miraculous to us. God has been so loving to us. Let's invest back in him. Uh, do you want to touch on this anymore? And then I'm just going to touch on 23, 24. You go ahead, 23 and 24. Okay, 23 and 24. We're just going to touch on these really quick. I don't have a lot to say. This is, it talks about... You guys remember Moses. <laughs> remember Moses, right? Jesse just read a little bit about him. His descendants, if you talk about the 12 tribes, his descendants are the Levites. Mm. So it's an explanation of what are the Levites, what are their duties. Um, very interesting. Spiritual gleaming, I didn't get, I didn't get a lot from it. Sure. But uh, very, very interesting stuff. So I challenge you, definitely don't just pass these books up. Uh, read chapters 21 through 25 with us this week, mm-hmm. and we'll be back next week. This is out. God, you are... Actually, you should do this. You wrote this. Okay. So Mike and I took a trip last year, and it was in a cabin, and it had absolutely no cell phone service whatsoever, which is kind of weird for me. So I was laying there, and I was trying to get to sleep. You know how hard it is to sleep when it's not your bed and not your surroundings? It was a hard bed, which I didn't mind, but also had a giant window, which was awesome during the daytime, but at night, I was like, what is out there watching me? So I was laying there just trying to peacefully fall asleep and I was praying and I was like, just trying to tell the Lord, God, you're so good. And then all of this just started coming to my head where I was like, I could think of something amazing about God for like every letter of the alphabet. So I ran through it like three times and I was thinking, 
God, please let me forget this when I wake up. Please let me forget this when I wake up. So this book is the product of that. It is a children's book, God You Are, and it's A to Z. And each page um, deals with a characteristic of God that he is alphabetically. And I also have little scripture references on the inside if I am allowed to show a page here. But for this, it says, God, you are faithful. And the citing is Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. So I, Micah brought us home a copy this past week, and Kara, our daughter, made me read it back to back to her twice, which if you know Kara, is really impressive that she even listened to it once. Like, it's not a very short book. So I will say it has Kara's stamp of approval. These are in the store. You can call and get one. Um, get one for, you know, all the little kids in your life. Apparently, they really like it, and it's really just like, this is like my love letter to God. So to see this holding it, I'm trying not to cry. It's like, it came into fruition. I, I couldn't be more excited. I opened my favorite page. God, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But this is the one. God, yes. you are living water. I saw that that was Faith's favorite. Drink, oh, it's Faith's favorite too? Yes. You drink of this water, you ain't ever thirsting again. Oh, and then there's a verse for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This book is amazing. Uh, little bro, Clark, he's not big enough to understand yet. Right. But do you, you get this? Clark's going to be... About nine months is when Kara started really getting into the pictures of books. Yeah. We already have three books. That's crazy. Three children's books, which is unbelievable. And, you know, uh, I remember when we had the vision of a first children's book, we're like, I don't know. That seems big. And now we're here. And this one, I love it. I think it's our best one yet. Yeah, I've really, really, really enjoyed it. Faith knocked it out with the illustrations. If you're interested in this children's book or you didn't know that we had other children's books, you can go to oasismenstore.com. And then, of course, I just got to say it, my current favorite thing that we have is the prayer journal. Really digging the prayer mm-hmm. journal. It's touching me. Uh, Brother Michael said over here, big old dude, he was just crying about it. It's, it's a powerful resource. So go, go on there, get those things. Yeah. Thank you so much. Please tune in next week. Take a moment to like this and share this. God bless you. God bless you.